expanding the Nerdosphere, talking about everything you want to hear. From comics to cosplay, from the cinematic universe to fan films and everything in between. It's time to get down and nerdy. Here are your hosts, James Witham and Nick Pataglia. Well, if you're looking for us, you found us. Episode 56 of Down and Nerdy, where I can't help but wonder how somebody named Zatanna is so pale. Yeah, I, I don't know. What could be worse? Could we call it Xanadu? I mean, fishnets, the whole, you know, you'd think, you know, she'd have a little bit of color on her. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm James with him alongside. The Merc with one arm, Nick Battaglia. A sad Merc with one arm this week. Yes, because I feel like we should have funeral music playing in the background. Or uh, we should have, uh, it's hard to say goodbye to yesterday from Boys to Men. Can we can we do like a long, sad version of La Cucaracha or something like that? <laughs> Just chim- dancing chimichangas as pallbearers and stuff like that. <laughs> just picturing like I'm just picturing literally chimichangas like a like six of them carrying a casket just down a church aisle. Just like those, like the sausage races at the baseball games where they've got the big mascot sausages. This time it would be chimichangas. In case you don't know what we're talking about. Of course, coming up and what we're reading, it's going to be very sad for Nick. Very somber because, of course, Deadpool dies this week. Yeah, episode 45 comes out this week. So, of course, we do that for what we're reading. But on a lighter note, though, uh, we are going to be talking about for our main topic. Actually, a nice tie-in, by the way. For our main topic, we're talking about character deaths and how the multitude of them nowadays is pretty much kind of, well, hurt the whole this person's dying thing. Cause, and plus, James, you even said the resurrection doesn't even work most of the time either. Yeah, it just seems like, and we'll get to this more, uh, it's almost like, unpaid leave it's like unpaid leave from your job yeah where it's like okay we're gonna kill you but here's when we're gonna bring you back and there's so many reasons for why they're doing that and is it cheapening it we'll talk about that a little bit more in our main topic coming up but we actually got a great response from last week's episode with the random nerd stuff we really did it was it was just one of those shows last week you know, where we, I mean, most of our shows go off on tangents, but this is one where we really went off on tangents. And it was just, the response was just phenomenal. Like, people liked it a lot. And they, so, liked, and they liked the whole Jerry Springer thing, too. Oh, definitely. So I think we're actually getting kind of prodded to do that again at some point. So yeah. we'll definitely yeah. have to bring that one back. Yeah. And plus, you know, as far as the shows go, like from past shows, a lot of them are starting to get to that thousand listen mark, which is astounding. Yeah, and thank you so much if you've subscribed to us on iTunes or our RSS feed, of course. SoundCloud's our baby. That's where we put up all of our shows, and we thank you for sticking with us through that. And, of course, supporting our new partnership with Amazon.com. Yeah, Amazon.com. We put up some stuff last week. Uh, you can pre-order Mortal Kombat X through Amazon, through us, actually. Uh, we get a little bit of a kickback from that. And you get to play as Goro. I pre-ordered as well, so I get the, my whole Goro package when it comes in next Tuesday. And you also can get some nice shipping stuff in it as well. Of course, on Saturdays, we show your shirts Saturdays, and we're putting up shirts that you can buy on Amazon as well. And again, you know, when you purchase something off of Amazon through our links, it, it helps us a little bit. And it helps, you know, make the show that much bigger and you know we could we put that back into the show and can bring you all sorts of great stuff like you know great guests and stuff like that and you know maybe more appearances you never know so that's what this kind of stuff 
is going to go towards. And it's it's always different stuff. I think we had some Game of Thrones stuff up yep. earlier because Game of Thrones comes back this week. We just want to we're, we're trying to point you in the direction of stuff that you're going to want anyway. You know, to expand your nerddom if you were. So we're not just going to throw up any old thing and be like, here, do this. No, we're trying to give you stuff, you know, we're interested and we think you might be interested in. Well, yeah, for example, you had the whole Walking Dead finale, so we posted the whole volume one you can get, which had the first, what, 48 issues in yep. one book. Yep. And it was actually on sale, about 40% off through Amazon. It was just like one of those things where my cousin even said, you know, I'm going to get this because, you know, it's it's all those comics in one book. And it's, like I said, 40% off, you can't fight it. And it's one of those times where you don't have to feel guilty about getting digital because it's it's a book, not a comic book. So, right. You know, it's right. not like you can go to George R. R. Martin's house and be like, hey, don't kill me. Can I buy your books? Right. Exactly. And, and the thing is, like, with the whole Dwight Dead thing, I believe it was a paperback, too. So, yeah. which, you know, it, it, you know and, and stuff like that. So, and, and the great thing is, you know, when you're watching Walking Dead, and, you know, we don't watch the show, really. But for people who do, it's like I said, it's a way to, you know... You can do two things. You can either go see Bob or Fancy Escape in Virginia Beach and pick up, you know, the series or whatever and put that in your poll. Or you can go and from Amazon and get the whole first 48 issues and then go to Bob's afterwards to catch up. Yeah, it's it's easier to catch up when you're – if you've never read a Walking Dead comic and you just want to catch up like now, yeah. do it that way. I, I understand why people would do it that way. And then you can go to Bob and be like, hey. I want to add this to my poll and start from start right here. It's being catching up. I know we don't do this really anymore, but my what I did last night, I literally spent most of the day, other than doing stuff for the podcast, watching video game documentaries. Interesting. I watched the first one. I watched was uh, one about it was called Atari Game Over. It was about the ET dig in New Mexico. Oh, I remember we were talking about that um, a, a few months ago. Yeah, and it was really awesome because it talked about like the beginning of Atari and how it started out. And pretty much, you know, the guy put one of the guys put it perfectly. He said, you can do two things back in like the 80s or the 70s. You can either work for like Mystical Command and kill people with, with a switch of a button for 12 cents a head, or you can go make video games. There and I chose that making video games would be more fun. And Atari, dude, back then, I, mean, I know it was the 70s and the 80s, but so much drugs were done back in Atari. Yeah. Yeah. So many drugs. Like they had, like literally the guy said, the, one of the heads of Atari, he said, you know, he goes, we had a goal. And if we met that goal, I would literally throw a kegger that same day. So it was like they had that party atmosphere, that party like, okay, guys, if we make this many games or whatever, get this far in development, we're going to, you know, have a kegger and have a party. And, you know, uh, for example, the guys, he's like, I was at a stall. The party atmosphere was just like this. He goes, I was at a stall. And then I was using the bathroom, and this guy comes in next to me. He's wearing no shirt, he's wearing no shoes, and he's just wearing pants. And I go, he goes, I go, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I'm a game developer. And he's just, there you go. And you know, and, and then uh, the guy who actually did the ET game, he said that how it was his first day, and you know, he knew how they did drugs there and everything else. And so he, he brought a joint, and he said that he was he was in. He walked into Atari. And he met one of the guys, and the guy says, hey, man, I'm going to get high in here, so if it's not your style, then you can leave. And he's like, oh, no, man, he pulls out this joint, and he's like, oh, man, I became prepared. And, he's, and the guy looked at him and says, Psh, I got some much better stuff than that shit. That explains a lot, actually, when it comes it to the E.T. game. That explains a lot. But the thing about the E.T. game, you know, and we asked this question, like, you know, what's the worst game last week about, like, what's the worst game you guys played? And we had some great answers. And I, of course, mentioned, I'm like, how have no way mentioned the ET game? And people say, well, it's this easy way. Yeah, it's out. too obvious. It's but the thing obvious. was, now imagine, we all know it had that five to six week development window, which was 
absurd. But the thing is, I don't blame the the guy who made it because the guy who made some he made some great games. Blame Steven Spielberg because Spielberg was the guy who had final say on the game. Yeah, that that guy should never consult on video games. It's like yeah. Rolling Stones trying to write an article about something that has nothing to do with music. Exactly, exactly. And so I watched that, and then I watched uh, Kong: Fistful of Quarters. Actually, for like the first time, I watched the full thing. And the one guy, I think his name is Billy. What a dick! Yep. Like it, it's sad because I know, like in, in documentary filmmaking, you have kind of that whole good guy versus bad guy thing. But he was really a dick. Uh huh. You know, and it's this guy's, you know, uh, Wiggy or Weeby, whatever his name is, is going and he's beating all these high scores and he finally does it. And it's just, it, he felt sad for the guy because, like, he had got laid off and everything else. And that was really good. And then there was a third documentary that I watched, James. And it, it was about Street Fighter, like, like competitive Street Fighter tournaments. And it was good at first. And then as it went on, I'm kind of like, okay, it's not about the game. It's about yeah. the, the, the people who are doing these tournaments. And it's like, I understand you're trying to have these things, these people, but it's not interesting. It's like, and, it, and it's based upon, like, I believe, Street Fighter 4. And so it's like, okay, you're going to tournament to tournament to tournament. But it's like, at, a, at some point, you're seeing the same guys in the same rooms and the same people. And like, they showed the Evo stuff, which is pretty cool. But at the same time, it's like, we get it. It's not, you know, you're a competitive Street Fighter player. You yeah. Know? I and, remember watching one one time where it was about indie game developers. I yeah. can't remember the name of it. It was like Ghosts of Something. Um, oh, it was it was um uh like a tech. Like, I know what you're talking about. It was like Pac Man stuff like that. Yeah, and so so they were talking about how people were developing games for like Xbox and stuff like that, and then it became less about the ve- development of the game and more about how this guy couldn't get his shit together or something like that, or some of the people that or some of the people that could and the stresses that are involved. I'm like, okay, that's good as as part of an angle, but like the whole damn movie became that. I'm like, I want to know more about the game. Come on now. Yeah, when it comes to video games. You know, it's it's not like with live action video game movies. You want to go full video game in the documentaries. Yeah, definitely. But speaking of get that game to ship together, <sighs> up next is what we're reading, and I'm reading Deadpool from number forty five. And James has something else he's going to be reading this week. So stay tuned. More down nerdy come up next. Cue the funeral music. Well, it's that time, boys and girls. We pull out those long boxes and discuss what we're reading this week. We've got two new comics, and James, I'm going to have you go first. And, no, I know people are probably expecting me to do the end of Batman Eternal, issue number 52, which was phenomenal, by the way. I loved the entire run. But I was talking to Bob at Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards in Virginia Beach, and he actually recommended a Bat book to me. So I was like, you know what, Bob? I'm going to take your advice, and I'm going to go ahead and read the Batman and Robin annual number three from DC Comics. Now, I'm kind of glad that I did. First of all, it's it's from Batman and Robin, so obviously it's 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 Bruce Wayne and Damian that are in the issue, and of course Alfred's in there as well. Here's one thing before I get into the meat of, of this issue that I loved about this book. It really reads like the old school, world's finest DC Comics presents one shots that they used to do back in the back in the day. Where right. you had a singular story in time, and it existed only in the space of the one issue, and then it was over. There's still winks and nods to the original run, like they talk about, spoiler alert, Damien losing his superpowers that he got because his dad took him away from him and stuff like that. So they still honor the main run, but it's a singular story within itself. Yeah, it's kind of like I, I read the uh, Sinestro annual last week, the number one, and... 
it's kind of tied into the main arc a little bit because again his daughter is with Sinestro and there's like a traitor in the meds so he's trying to kill Sinestro so within the Yellow Lantern Corps so it's kind of like that so where yours is is separate and its own thing mine was more tied in I can see why because it was done by the same people right and I mean sometimes they do that but that was one of the things that they did specifically for this issue but before I get too ahead of myself writer was uh, Peter J. Thomasy pencils and some of the inks done by Juan Jose Rip some of the inks also done by Jordy Tarragona. I also want a hold on a second. Juan Albaran. Thank you very much. And colorist was Sonia Obak. So now that we're moving right along here, basically the story starts out with Batman has to take like the watch at the Justice League uh, satellite tower in space, and Damien is left at home because he didn't want him to come. Long story short, Damien tinkers with a little teleporter type thing, and he gets up there anyway. Okay. So he said he's going to go up there to annoy his dad, which he does. And it turns out Damien spots something on one of the moon cameras of a lunar landing module from the 60s. But the lights are on. So they're like, all right, let's go investigate. Well, apparently, some sort of aliens have taken this thing over. And they have kind of molded themselves after the astronauts that were there before. So it was almost like they took their DNA and cloned themselves to look like these astronauts. So it was really creepy. So they, of course, there's your classic oh. Father-son byplay where he's like, Damien, don't do that. And Damien does it anyway. It was very interesting that they were working the father-daughter, uh, father-daughter, father-son dynamic in very well in this issue. And at one point, Batman throws Damien out of the, sh you know, launches Damien out of the ship. He's like, you go back to the tower. I'm going to take care of this by myself. So, so he pretty much launches him out of the ship like... The kid in Game of Thrones got launched out of the window. It was really like that, actually. He kind of shoves him out the door and says, You stay here, boy, because the rocket that they're in is about to take off. <laughs> of course, Damien doesn't listen. He jumps into the to the transporter that they took and goes after him. And it turns out that was a pretty good idea in the end. But what was very interesting was at the end of this issue, where they're standing on, you know, they're standing on fertile soil again on, on Earth, and they're looking up at the moon, and they're like, you know, we don't really take any time to appreciate the amazing things that we get to do. Cause Damien's like, we were just on there, you know? Yeah. And they had this whole, you know, like, what do you see son? And what do I see? It was like a father son bonding moment right there at the end. And I'm like, what a nice way to round out this issue. Wait, what do you see there? son? I honestly, dad, I think this whole mission is just bullshit. <laughs> well, it's, it was funny because we don't see the angry Damien in this issue. Really? He's kind of the, you know, he's, he's mellowed. I don't know if it's the whole, hey, I had powers and now I don't think, but he's definitely mellowed a little bit. So I, I, I actually liked it. I enjoyed it. it. It wasn't one of those things where I was like, oh my God, this was such a great read, but I enjoyed it because it reminded me so much of the way things used to be with the world's finest and DC comics presents and the art, even though it was done by quite a few people, Juan Jose Rip was the main uh, penciler and inker for this. The art was really, really good. So it wasn't cheesy. Wasn't the cheesy art that you can get sometimes in the annuals when it's not the person on the main. Yeah. Room. It's actually mm -hmm. drawing the book. I was impressed enough to say, I think you should go pick this up. If you're a Batman fan and you, and you love Damien, a lot of people love Damien and this was not the angry. I'm going to be a dick the entire time time damien it was like the smart ass damien right which i actually enjoyed and i'm like okay i can get behind this damien i could see why people would have wanted this guy back so i would definitely go pick it up but speaking of wanting somebody back nick <laughs> i think that everybody knows what route you decided to go this week yeah of course and it was the inevitable route uh, it finally came out i'm talking about deadpool number 45 and if people are wondering 
Why aren't you sad when you're this big Deadpool fan? Well, thanks to some Taco Bell and some alcohol, I've been able to power through my feelings of depression. You know, it's funny. I went to find the bowl of feelings and it was empty. Yeah. I, I, I was surprised. I was like, wait a minute. Aren't we supposed to be using this today? And we're, and we're not. We're totally not. We're totally not. And now here's the thing. So Deadpool 45, and people are wondering, like, well, why are they killing off, off at 45? Well, technically, the way that Marvel did this was to say, okay, we're going to take all of the Deadpool comics, all the runs, Dracula's Gauntlet, everything else, and we're going to tie them all together. So when you add it all up, it's 250 issues. And this, of course, is written by the team of Brian Posehn, Jerry Dugan, who have done pretty much a really good job with Deadpool. I really like how they've done what they've done with Deadpool. And the art is by Mike Hawthorne. Now, here's the thing. When I went to go pick this up, this is literally probably the most expensive comic I've ever bought in my life. Yeah, I was very surprised when you told me what the cover price was. The comic itself is $10. And it's the size of a graphic novel. Now, when I went to go pick this up at Bob's, I looked at it. Now, I didn't thumb through because I didn't want to spoil, spoil it, you know? Of course, yeah. So I'm like, oh, this is a thick book. And I thought it was a thick book because it, it didn't preface how he was going to die. It didn't do like, you know, how Death and Wolverine where he had to animate him drain from him or the Captain America thing. Right. It was just like, oh, they're actually going to tie up all these loose ends as just one giant book. Come to find out, it's not. It's the size of a regular, the story itself of his death is the size of a regular comic. Wow, that's odd. The rest of it is a bunch of short stories not really tied oh, in. Oh, man. I hate it when they do that. Yeah. It kind of pissed me off. Now, there was one that I liked. It was like Shikla, how she's trying to fit in. It was kind of like when her and Deadpool first got married and he's trying to bring her into life. But again, they're not tied into one another. And it pissed me off. So I'm, wait a minute. I paid $10. And this isn't against comic book shops or anything like that. You're doing, you're selling the book based on what the company right, wants you, you to sell. You can sell what you're given. So. But I spent ten dollars on this fucking book, and I got a three to four dollar comic worth of Deadpool story that was pretty much worthwhile. Fuck you, Marvel! And people are saying, "Well, why are you saying fuck you, Marvel? Wasn't this your pick of the week?" Yes, it was. Here's why: it was our pick of the week. How could it because, not be? Because oh yeah, because it was a monumental thing. And so I'm reading it. And here's the plot of it. So throughout the entire arc, pretty much, or the three-quarters end of the arc, Deadpool took out a helicarrier from the terrorist group Ultimatum. And in response, they, who of course led by their leader Flag Smasher, went after his family. And the first three-quarters of the book is awesome. It's funny. It's got some great humor. The writing's good. The art's phenomenal. And there's actually a part where I was laughing really, really hard, where Deadpool, he's explaining his... In Sherlock Holmes fashion, how he's going to take out the guys. Because he pretty much buys this farm in Kansas and says, you know, come here. It's a barren wasteland of, of a farm. You know, let's just go at it. It has all-out brawl. And so Holmes' terror cell shows up at his farm. And he's explaining, like, okay, here's how he says. He goes, first, I'll take out the Charles Bronson types. Then I'll take out the ones who think they have a chance. Then those who are, you know, those ones who are happy who are to be still be alive and think they have a chance still. Then all of a sudden, these broads from Daughters of Revolution came in, and then these damn Shriners, and I swear to God, they show these Shriners coming at Deadpool with their Shriner cars with machine guns attached to them. That's awesome. And then all of a sudden, Deadpool goes, well, maybe the Shriners and the Daughters of the Revolution weren't there, who are these old people. Maybe I'm just got very murder-hungry. And then he just goes on and starts killing the guys, whatever, and he kills Flag Smasher really brutally. shoots him in the face, by the way. Mm -hmm. 
So the art is good, and the writing is good three quarters of the way. Um, the way that they had the whole thing with the family and evaded the ultimatum group before they go after Deadpool was good. Then you get to the ending, and this is the thing. Deadpool quits being Deadpool. He pretty much says, you know what, that's it, this is my final fight. He leaves his whole suit, his katanas, his belt, everything there at the site of the what? of where the final fight is. Yeah. And he's on this yacht that he stole, he's with his family, and he's considered being, you know, Wade Wilson, and he's like, I'm not being Deadpool anymore. So anyways, what happens is they're on this yacht, and a gravimetric anomaly happens where the sun, if you don't know what they are, it's where everything, you know, the gravity just pulls everything down. So the sun hits the water and just burns Deadpool and his family alive, and that's how it ends. Really? Yep. Really? Yeah. And it was very anticlimactic. And the comic, it felt more, there was much more story that needed to be going on, like, towards the end of it, okay? Deadpool's not dead, but what happens? Like, does Thanos kill them? Does something happen where, you know, or does it even, because I know the thing is with Deadpool, you can't kill him because Thanos cursed him with the ability to not die. Right. So the thing is, you know, he can't be shot, he can't be stabbed, he can't be cut up. So it's okay, maybe it's one of those things where, okay, he saved his family, and then Secret Wars comes, and he's pulled back into the fringe. You know, maybe that's how you could, that would be a good way to end it. You know, yeah. saves his family, you know, he gives up the whole Deadpool thing, but then he, Secret Wars happens and he's called back into action, you know. Mm-hmm. But, though, Marvel is like, you know what, we're going to kill off Deadpool. And the thing is, this is why I say a big fuck you to Marvel. Because for months, they've been teasing, Deadpool's going to die. It's this big, they, they tease it as this big Death of Wolverine style arc. Mm-hmm. And they give you nothing. Yeah, they don't give you any of the lead-up to it. And Deadpool's a very popular character right now. I'm not saying that they had to do, like, the whole three months to die thing like they did with Wolverine. No. But there was a, it was it was almost like they forced it down your throat in one issue and in the last quarter of an issue instead of having any build-up at all. And he could just... And whose who's idea was to say, you know what, he could just quit being Deadpool. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you know what? I just want to be a family man. I'm going to show us the other side and be the dad and be Wade Wilson. It's like... Um, I mean, is that a loophole in the Thanos contract that we didn't see before I know, or right? something? I mean, how did... I mean, did he know this was an option all along? I don't, I don't know. understand. I mean, in one of the short stories, he's riding in the Thanos copter and Thanos kicks him out of the, short co- out of the copter. And uh, here's the thing. They shouldn't have killed him off. They, like I said, they said with the whole... Him save the family. They could. They, what they could have done. Here's the thing. I know they want to reboot. They're gonna reboot everybody. They're gonna do a DC with convergence. They're gonna reboot it after Secret Wars with Marvel. Here's how it would be the best way to reboot Deadpool. You reboot him. You say, okay, Deadpool number one, and then you can have because you know how he breaks the dead. Deadpool breaks the fourth wall. I can say, yeah. really, he can break the fourth wall. Say, really, we're rebooting this. Okay, and then have him go through the whole Deadpool arc again. You know, where he's Wade Wilson, gets the cancer, mm-hmm. goes through Weapon X thing, and be like, really, we're going to go through this again? Okay, you know, and have him kind of have that whole, really, we're going to go through this whole reboot arc through the entire, like, maybe first few issues or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That would have been funny, because you would have been like, okay, we can't really reboot him because we can't kill him off, so how can we do this? Well, let's have him re-go through the same events or do something where it's like, you know what, really, I thought we ended my arc, X amount of months ago, now we're redoing it this way. Yeah. You know, fuck you guys. Well, okay, I'll go through it again. And here's the thing. Colin Bond, he's writing Deadpool Secret Wars, which I pre-ordered at Bob's. 
And from what Colin said, he said he's going to find himself inserted into the events of the original 1984 Marvel Superhero Secret Wars. So Deadpool is not going to be in the actual Secret Wars arc. He's going to be in an offset, pretty right. much. And it doesn't take place during Secret Wars story. It takes place during the 1984 Marvel Superhero Secret Wars. And it, Colin pretty much said, uh, he goes, it's going to be where, you know, Deadpool had more of a cause in the Secret Wars and more of a, of a reason to start the Secret Wars than we might not have known. And it was pretty much going to be taken off as a sequel to Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe. And one thing Colin said is that this is in continuity again with uh, the Parallel Dimensions and Deadpool is always on the first battle world, but his whole role, like I said, is a bigger role than he played out in the Secret Wars. But the thing is, is like, okay, that's understandable because it's, it's not connected because you can't. But like I said, you should, Marvel didn't, we'll get to this later in our main topic, but you didn't need to kill him off. You, you no. really didn't. You did it because you wanted to sell a $10 comic, and you wanted to do it because you wanted to make this big thing. And, you know, people like me who are big fans would get upset about it or be like, okay, I got to pick this up. I'm sorry. This is a skip. skip. You want to you kill him off, and then the movie's going to come out, and you'll bring him back to create the demand just like they did with Spider-Man. Right. And it's just, right. And it's just like, really? Like, like really? You're going you're gonna to do this? And like I said, I know you can't kill him off, but... You know, there were there were other ways you could have ended that run. Yeah, he could have died on the toilet after eating a bad chimichanga. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That yeah. would have been more in line with Deadpool, if you ask me. So. By the way, that picture of Ryan Reynolds sitting on a toilet reading, you know, in his Deadpool yeah, suit, reading yeah. the death of Deadpool was probably one of the funniest things I've seen I all week. I that. That was great. But, like I said, skip this, because, you know, people say, well, it's the death of Deadpool. Yeah, but, you know what, they could have, seriously, just could have. It's I, like, uh, is it really, though? I mean, yeah. is it really? I mean, in the literal sense, it yes, pretty it much, is. The thing was, is a cop-out because the way they killed him is pretty much how everybody dies in Secret Wars where the whole planet blows up because this gravitational thing happens. Yeah, that, that's pretty lame. It's pretty bullshit. Yep, and that's going to do it for what we're reading. Coming up next is going to be Geek Tainment, and we're going to be discussing Justice League, Gods and Monsters. The trailer came out. What do we think about it? And how confused as shit are we about it? Stay tuned. More Down Nerdy coming next. Well, if you want something original, you got it. So go into the kitchen and make the most interesting thing you can think of, because this week, Nick, we're going off the rails and talking about DC's partnership with Machinima to do Justice League Gods and Monsters. Yeah, and for people who don't know about what it's about and everything else, and I honestly don't know, like, I watched the trailer a couple of times, I actually watched it before we started recording, and I don't know what the hell it's about. <laughs> Well, I got you covered there. The screenplay is done by Alan Burnett, who was part of Batman the Animated Series and, and Batman Beyond. And Bruce Tim is back involved, along with Sam Register. And basically, it's the Justice League, very much darker version of the Justice League. They're being framed for the murders of several scientists you'll recognize the names of. Ray Palmer, Victor Freeze, Silas Stone. And they're saying, basically, who would have the balls to frame the Justice League? Now, in this iteration... It's very, very different. This isn't the Superman, Batman that you recognize. Actually, Superman is, uh, this is going to be on the, by the way, the uh, featurette in the uh, Batman versus Robin Blu-ray that's coming out. Okay. Superman is actually the son of General Zod. Whoa. So this means, you know, the quick temper, obviously, that comes with Zod. Wonder Woman's not an Amazon in this one either. She's a member of the New Gods, and she's actually the wife of Orion. So is that Wonder Woman we saw standing next to yes. Superman? Okay, yes, with that I, weird horned outfit kind of I'm thing. I'm not going to lie. I thought that was like Hawk Girl for a little bit. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. And here's another one. This is a big one. Batman is not Bruce Wayne. 
It's Kirk Langstrom. Yes, Man Bat is Batman, and he's dying of cancer, by the way. He was using bat venom to try and cure himself, and instead now he's a pseudo-vampire. So Batman is literally, this is taken literally now, where he's kind of a bat, and he actually has to feed off of the blood of the criminals that he captures now. Now, now here's the thing. I wanted you to point you to this point on where he said he's now like a bat and everything else. In the trailer, they said the per- people were dissected, dismembered, and drained of their blood. And then Superman goes, who the hell would you know, frame the Justice League? My thing is, I think Batman is framing the Justice League. It's possible, but he's actually a member of the Justice League. And if you were going to frame the Justice League, knowing that little tidbit of information, that might help you. So, I mean, that could have something to do with it. Maybe it is him, after all, but he looks like a very much more timid uh, version of Batman. Of course, Kirk Langstrom was never the, the strongest uh, willed no, guy in the world. but Very skinny. Um, and it seems like the Justice League is just the Trinity in Gods yeah. and Monsters. There's no Flash. There's no Green Lantern. Right now, there's no Cyborg. Now, they did say that Lex Luthor is going to be in this as well, but it's going to be a different Luthor. He's going to be more of like a Stephen Hawking-esque kind of guy where he seeks more knowledge than anything else. And also Darkseid's going to play a brief part in it too. And they're saying maybe there's a history there between Darkseid and Wonder Woman because they're from adjacent planets now in this iteration. So very interesting. So if you want an original story, this is it. Right. Well, the thing is, I mean, did you say also this was based off of Earth 2? Or they said it was going to be based off of some Earth 2 arc? I think they, yeah, they mentioned that it's going to be like loosely based on Earth 2, which but that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because Thomas Wayne is Batman in Earth 2 and Superman is African American. So, yeah. and neither of those are happening here. But I think that because DC has decided to do this with Machinima. Yeah, I think that Machinima was kind of given a lot of leeway here, and and getting Bruce Tim back involved. I think Bruce Tim wanted to tell a different story, and this is definitely a darker story than the even the other DC animated movies. Well, I think we're what we're seeing because you know we have Batman versus Superman, and of course they're two separate worlds. But do you see because of Batman versus Superman and kind of the tone that they want to set with Dawn Justice, they can, they're going to go this more darker route with their animated films? Because it sure as hell looks it with Gods and Monsters. I think that they're showing you that they can do both. I mean, there was some humor elements in Throne of Atlantis, even though um, I know that it wasn't the, their best, you know, it wasn't their best animated yeah. movie. I think a lot of the Batman ones have been better and even Flashpoint was very good. Um, but I think that they're showing you, hey, yeah, we can go really dark or we can also add some humor elements in there. So I think it's more of like, okay, so we can do this. Let's see if you like this before we go forward. Right, right. And like I said, I watched this a couple of times, and it was just, I couldn't really grasp my head around it, because I'm like, okay, I, I believe that's Superman, and then, of course, when she used the laser out of his eyes, or the heat vision or whatever, like, okay, that's Superman. But yeah, it was just like, it was hard to identify who certain people are, and just what type of world it is. And like I said, cause, I mean, I do read DC, but I'm not... James Witham level DC reader. Well, you know, I'm not, I'm not Nick Pataglia level Deadpool either, but I'm still going to see, go see the Deadpool movie for sure. <laughs> yes. But no, I think that like when I watched the trailer, there was a lot that, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I could not get excited over it. And maybe it's because I don't know the whole arc type of a thing, or maybe because this whole framing thing has just maybe been done a bunch of times in other films or whatever, or 
you know, I don't know. Maybe it's because, you know, I think it's not just me with other people. You know, when you see something you're not really used to, it, it's supposed to, you know, you're not used to seeing, you're not knowing you're much not, about it. You don't like you. change. Yeah, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't really like change either. But, I mean, think about Injustice, Gods Among Us, that game, right. which was totally different. I mean, Superman losing his shit and all of a sudden becoming this tyrant. That's not heard of ever in any universe. And that, that worked out. Right, but what I'm saying is you still had that somewhat of a same universe, though. Whereas with this, with Gods and Monsters, you're not getting that. You're getting something that's totally different, like right. Ultimate Dimension. You know, granted, with, with Injustice, you got Ultimate Dimension, but you still had Flash, Green Lantern, Batman, right. Superman, Wonder Woman. You know, you still had those things. So they were still them outside of being their actual selves, really. So I think that with this, it's just... I said I, I, I watched it. I couldn't get excited about it because I didn't know who was what or what was really going on. I think that that's fair. Um, not not being excited about it. I mean, I think it's hard to get jacked for something like this. And I got I, jacked about Aquaman, and that rarely yeah. happens. Well, and, but here's the deal. This is a totally de- – I mean, and I, I actually praise DC, first of all, for doing a partnership with Machinima. Oh, yeah. And second of all, having the balls to just say, you know what? We're going to do something completely 100% original. We're going to do something different because, you know, we could retell you another story and we like doing that too. But, you know, what? we're going to go give it a shot and give you something absolutely original because let's face it, Nick, in this day and age, we don't get original anymore, hardly ever, it seems like. No, we don't get a lot of original content. But like I said, it was just, like I said, I mean, I'll watch it, but it's just one, and maybe I'll, and I'd probably bet you any money that when I watch, I'll probably understand even more. Yeah. What they're going for, but the thing was, like I said, it was just when you when you're watching it for the first time, it, and even sometimes the second time you start to grasp. Like there were things I grasped. Oh, I totally the agree. Time. Yeah, there were things I grasped in the second viewing of the trailer that I didn't catch in the first because the first time I was trying to literally figure out who the fuck these some of these yeah, people were. Yeah, and the second time, like, oh, okay, here's the actual plot. Well, like, they don't really like, explain who they are in the trailer either. I mean, well, if, if you've watched the trailer, they well, don't actually say, this is Superman, this is Batman, this is Wonder Woman. They kind well, of make you figure it out on your own. I mean, you look at the costumes, but I mean, when I first saw Superman, he had that goatee. I'm like, oh, finally, they put James in the fucking DC Yeah, movie. there we go. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Bruce Tim. Thank you. It's very flattering. <laughs> yes. But, I mean, final thoughts on this, James? I mean, I'm, like I said, it's hard. I'll watch it because I know you're probably going to end up buying it. <laughs> of course. And we're gonna end up reviewing it when it comes out. So I mean, I'll watch it, but I mean, like I said, I'm I'm not I'm not saying I'm not going into it optimistic. I'm just gonna going. I say I'm going into it confused. I'm not excited because it's a DC animated movie, and I get excited for everything DC. I'm excited because, and it really has nothing to do with this particular movie. I'm excited because somebody has the balls to go out there and try to do something original with characters that we already love and maybe try and put a different spin on it. As long as it's not messing up the main line, I've said this a million times, as long as it doesn't mess up the main line of what we're doing with the classic characters that we love, try something different. As long as it doesn't screw up what I love already, go for it. Knock yourself out. And of course, you know, if you want to go to something you love, there's always Bob at Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards in Virginia Beach. Don't forget about that. But also, coming up next, a whole bunch of nerd news is going to be right here on Down and Nerdy.
Well, it's that time, boys and girls, nerds alike. We trail around the interwebs and see what's trending. Cause it's time for what, James? Nerd, Nerd news! news. And the first story is about WonderCon moving to Los Angeles. So the biggest surprise of this past weekend is WonderCon. It wasn't like a shock announcement from about a comic publisher, or TV network, or movie studio. Right. It was news that broke late Sunday afternoon about the convention itself. Now, at the show's annual talk back panel, John Rogers, who's the president of Comic-Con International's board of directors, revealed that WonderCon would move about 30 miles north in 2016 from Anaheim to L.A. in downtown Los Angeles. I don't think they said where they're going to hold it. My guess somewhere near L.A. Live, maybe Staples Center. I don't know. I would think Staples Center probably. Um, The show started back in 1987. It was in the Bay Area. First Oakland, then San Francisco, and moved to Anaheim for a 2012 show. And then the deal is only for one year in Los Angeles. Now, even though David Glanzer, the Comic-Con International's Director of Marketing, said it was really about scheduling in space, it had 60,000 people last year. So he said that it was about scheduling in space. Now, here's the thing. Two questions to you, James. Do these types of constant, constant moves affect a con's branding and name? And could these be employed to get expansions on convention centers Moving forward, like, for example, the whole San Diego Comic-Con, you know, people are saying, well, the reason why WonderCon's moving is to get, maybe San Diego Con will move to become LA Con instead because they can't get the expansion at a convention center going. You know, do you think maybe these are kind of ploys to say, hey, we're doing this, we're mm-hmm. going to go to bigger cities who have bigger venues? I think, think that, that's a ploy? I think your latter point is, is, the, is the best one. I think that this is kind of a ploy to get more expansion for these cons and the uh, Los Angeles mayor, mayor Eric Garcetti said that he wants to make this a long-term partnership, even though it's a one year deal. We don't really know about that, but here's the, here's the thing that people need to understand. We love comics. We are comic book fans. We would go to these conventions, but you can't just build a convention center for one event. You have to have the capability to hold multiple events that are going to sell just as much or at least close as these comic book conventions. There's not necessarily that much fire for other conventions. So let's, let's not be, let's not be too short sighted here. Right. Um, I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, people don't realize, well, why did they build it? Because Comic-Con's big. Yeah, but Comic-Con isn't the only thing going on in the San Diego Convention Center. Like, there's other shit. <laughs> right, exactly. So, I mean, and, and to your other point about the branding, I think it would, except for the fact that they picked the right name, WonderCon. Right. That could be anywhere. It's not like Tidewater Comic Con if they decided to move to Richmond. It's not in Tidewater anymore, so you can't call it Tidewater Comic Con. You'd have to rebrand. It would be different. So I think calling something WonderCon or Dragon Con, threatening to uh, possibly leave the Georgia area at some point after some political stuff happened there, it's Dragon Con. You could put it anywhere. You could put right. it anywhere in the Seven Realms if you wanted to. It doesn't matter. You just have to make sure that you pick the right name, and WonderCon did. I do think that the fact that they've bounced around a little bit is a little weird, because you hear about cons moving, but you don't necessarily hear about them moving like four different times. Well, that's the thing. Like, they were in the Bay Area for like 24 years, and then say, no, we're going to move to Anaheim, and then also say, no, we're going to L.A. for not like a five-year deal or whatever, but a year. It's like why yeah it's like why would you sign that was the other thing why would you do this for just a year obviously the la mayor would probably like to have this for more than a year but i think that i mean logistically and and financially i'm sure that you know somebody's being greedy somewhere but i think that well i think that i mean the thing is like i said WonderCon had sixty thousand people last year i'm not sure the total amount of people went this year but the thing is you know i said glanzer said he goes that this was about scheduling and space issue now we don't know because we're not in the meeting rooms but when you see somebody move for one year, 
I mean, we could be looking too much into this because it could be saying, okay, maybe there is a scheduling conflict. Um, however, you know what? We're going to go to L.A. for a year and then get space next year. But here's the thing, though. Again, why go for a year? And it's like people can say, oh, maybe they'll go back after that one year. But it's like you're WonderCon. You've been in L.A. or right. in Anaheim since 2012. So shouldn't you kind of maybe have first dibs in a sense or whatever? Right. I don't know how it goes. And you don't do this to go back in a year. That no. doesn't make any sense. That will not happen. I mean, and not only that, you can't even get a new convention center built in a year. No. So, again, I don't think that that is, is what's going on here. I think that they want to move because they want to find a bigger venue and they want to find it now. Well, plus, I mean, you know, San Diego Comic-Con, it kind of sucks because, I mean, granted, they're not small towns, but they're medium-sized towns. You know, I live in Los Angeles. And I mean, I'm at the Staples Center and LA Live, and it's awesome. It's, it's really spacious, you know. Um, but the thing is, you know, keep – I like – Certain things staying where they are. Like, can you imagine, like, we're, instead of saying we're covering, because we're going to cover SDCC this year, can you imagine saying we're covering LACC? It used to be SDCC. You know, yeah. it's, it, it'd be weird, I think, but then people get used to it. But I think, I think it's maybe a big push, too, from uh, movie people because they say, hey, you know, our studios are here. Granted, San Diego's X amount of hours away, you know, but. You know what? We our studios are here, make it easier for travel, whatever. Da, da, right. Da. Right. You know, LA. It makes sense. It, I mean, you have New York Comic Con, you have LA Comic Con. So I think that's maybe I think that's also the angle they might think about too. Is having okay, we got New York City Comic Con and LA Comic Con. You know, we're gonna go at it. You want them to re? If you want them to rename it, though, I think that's gonna be big bucks. And maybe oh, yeah. that's part of why it was only a year. Maybe that's part of the negotiations for a long term deal. So we'll have to find that a little bit later on. But something that we're very, very excited about, Nick, maybe (laughs) something we never thought would happen. We have another epic crossover. And this time it involves one of the big two in an indie. Yeah, uh, IDW Publishing, CBS Consumer Products, and DC Entertainment announced that Green Lantern and Star Trek will cross over in a six-issue miniseries titled Star Trek Green Lantern, The Spectrum War, which is beginning in July. Now, the series, people are wondering, is it going to be taken where Captain Kirk as in Shatner, they did that. They did do that before, mm-hmm. uh, many years ago. It was called Star Trek: Legion of Superheroes, right? And or is this going to be with the new J.J. Abrams people? It's going to be in the J.J. Ab- Abrams reboot Star Trek universe, and pretty much it's going to be based on what the cover image looked like. They they let that they let it out. Uh, it seems that the ultimate showdown is going to be between Klingons. They're going to have the Sinestro Corp rings and Gantlet, and then certain Star Trek characters will have Green Lantern rings as well. I actually think that the the teaser image that they had with the Enterprise flying through the yep. Green Lantern image, I was like, oh, I'm I'm up for this. I'm excited now. Yeah. I actually think it makes sense to do the uh, the current Abrams run universe because it's familiar. I'm not saying that the regular Star Trek run is not familiar, but I'm talking this generation. You right. want to bring this generation into Star Trek and have them eventually find the Shatner runs. This is the way to do it. Right. And the thing is, you know, you look at, at what they're doing and again, they did it already with the Shatner crew. Why not do it with, you know, Chris Pine and right, exactly. stuff like that and, and his crew that he has. And you know, it's going to be interesting like see how the Cleons get the Sinestro Corp ring and how 
like I said, it didn't say who, but it said maybe some people in the Star Trek Enterprise crew would get uh, rings, Green Lantern rings as well. So we'll see how that goes. And Could you imagine Spock with a Green Lantern ring? Oh, dude, that'd be so awesome. That would be amazing. <laughs> so I don't know what direction that uh, writer Mike Johnson's going to want to take this. And Angel Hernandez is on board to do the uh, interior art, by the way. Yeah. But um, yeah, I like the fact that they are leaving some stuff to the imagination and they don't have the entire crew of the Enterprise on the cover with, with lantern rings on. So I, I got to tell you, I, I think that you know, I don't want to see crossovers all over the place because I th- think that'll cheapen it. And we'll talk about, you know, cheapening deaths in comics a little bit later on in our main topic. But, I mean, you go to Bob's Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards of Virginia Beach, you don't want to see it littered with crossovers of, you know, like Spider-Man and Tomb Raider and stuff like that. Yeah, right. You, you don't necessarily want to see that. But when you have the perfect marriage, like I think you kind of do here, it just works. And the fact, and bravo, to DC and IDW for working this out together and being able to exist to bring this to bring this very unique storyline in. It's, it's, it's always cool to see indie publishers and giant publishers combine. It's really, really cool. And I understand when people say, well, IDW is not really an indie comic because they have all this, this, and this, you know, like Vertigo-ish kind of stuff. I'm like, well... They're still IDW, so... You, you know, look at the numbers, and you tell me yeah. whether they're an indie or not. They do look very the well, properties. but, yeah, come on. Yeah, and there's no way you can be pissed at this, because it works, because they're both set in space, and they're not on an island, but somebody who is on an island is very, very pissed off is Manu Bennett, a.k.a. Deathstroke. Yes, and it looks like Deathstroke will not be back into the Arrow universe, and he's really not happy about it. He said that he actually thinks that they didn't use Deathstroke properly. He actually said in a quote to uh, the AU, the, the music.com.au, I think Deathstroke had a lot of possibilities with Arrow, but I think they took him in the wrong direction. And then he went along to say, it took the entire Justice League to defeat him. It took an army to take, take him on. And Arrow, it took a while for Oliver slash Arrow to prove a point, but in season three, he was just beating Slade, and that was just adding insult to injury. So speaking to insult, Nick, do you think that this is maybe a little bit of sour grapes on Manu Bennett's part, or do you think he's got a little bit of a point? I think Manu Bennett is the man the fuck up. I th- I, I, I'm not, I'm dead serious in saying that, uh, because you had to look at this. Oh, well, Deathstroke took the Justice League down. Motherfucker, you have to know that they're two separate worlds. They're not putting the Justice League in... With Arrow. Right. So you can't have Justice League take you down. And, oh, they've had an army take him down. Yeah. they. I'm sorry, but the entirety of Season 2 was the whole Deathstroke army versus Arrow in the city. Like, that Let's was not forget, thing. by the way, the League of Assassins helped in that final battle. Let's not forget that now. Yes. We're talking about the League of Assassins. You want an army? That's an army, okay? Yeah. So that's one of the points that I definitely wanted to make. Their League of Assassins was involved in that final battle, not in in their entirety, but at least in part. So, and I mean, it took them the entire season to figure it out. Plus, here's the thing, too, is you want to look at another character. Look at Deadshot, who, spoiler, was killed off recently on Arrow. Why? Because he's going to be in the uh, Suicide Squad movie, and then DC's parents came out and said, we will not want people competing against one another when it comes to being certain characters. Right. Which is why, you know, side note, I think that they're going to do Wally West and The Flash and not Barry Allen because of that reason. Mm-hmm. So, again, there's also a rumor that there's going to be Deathstroke in Suicide Squad. 
The guy so, from Fury looks like he might have been cast. We're not sure. We're not ready to run with that yet. But yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, it looks like that's the direction that they're going to go with that as well. So so it's understandable, like, why they did what they did with him and why we're not going to hear anything from him. Because I'm sorry, but Rachel Ghoul, I'm sorry. I've had enough Deathstroke. I, I'm really sorry to say that. But it's as far as Arrow goes, I'm, so, I'm sick of Deathstroke. Yeah, he I has, mean, he had a whole season dedicated to him. Give Rachel Gould this season, you know. If anything, I think first of all, I do think Manu Bennett did a great job as Deathstroke. Yeah. I don't I don't think that we want to gloss over that. But what we do need to say is they they brought out a different Deathstroke here. They brought out the less brutal, more calculated planning kind of Deathstroke. They didn't bring out the you know, mean mercenary Deathstroke in Arrow. So if anything, Manu Bennett had his own take on Deathstroke, or the writers did, and, and Manu Bennett portrayed it, portrayed it. So for Manu Bennett to think that they're just going to go to the source material with the whole, you know, it took the Justice League to take down Deathstroke, dude, that's not the version that they made you play. Right, and that's the thing. It's like, and I'm sorry, the reason why I say he's a man of fuck up, people say, oh, how could you say that? It's like, He's not a struggling actor. He already has something else in the pike that he's doing right now. Yeah, he's already working on something else. I mean, it's not like the guy is destitute right now. He's going to be one of the leads in a brand new series. So. Yes. And he was, you know, did pretty well for himself in the Hobbit series, too. So let's not pretend that Manu Bennett is going to be eating bowls of feelings in his underwear in his couch in Los Angeles or something like that, wherever the hell he lives. He's going to be fine. And speaking of guys that are going to be fine, George R.R. <laughs> R. Martin eats pretty well, and his, let's say, plate might be expanding a little bit now, Nick. Yeah, George R.R. R. Martin, he's developing a new project with HBO, and the potential series, which is called Captain Cosmos, is set in 1949 at the dawn of the television age, and, quote, a visionary young writer creates a science fiction series that tells stories no one else will dare to tell. So maybe we don't know the concept, and maybe be a little bit kind of like Twilight Zone-ish kind of thing. Maybe there's somebody kind of like, I, I, I've i gone through these stories and I want people mm-hmm. to believe them. We don't know. Uh, but Mike Castle, who is from Z Nation, uh, is writing the pilot. And Martin said that he's going to be pulling back on conventions, appearances, and writing for the Game of Thrones HBO series to focus on the sixth book and his Song of Ice and Fire series, which will be called Winds of Winter. Makes and sense. And it makes sense. It makes perfect sense because a lot of people, Cody, our angry fat guy, has said many times, George, when are you going to finish the book? And that's the number one question people ask him all the time. When are you going to finish the fucking mm-hmm. book, George? And, you know, and he says, okay, I'm going to take off time and focus on the book. And ultimately, that's what you want. You want more content. Do you want to go meet the man or do you want him to keep producing the stuff that you love? I mean, well, I, I understand that. Well, he's even said uh, in a quote, he said that the reason why the time off from writing the book has helped he goes because there's a twist he actually thought of that he didn't think of before and he's still debating where not to go that route but right. he said it's a really great twist and again we've, we've both d- dove into game of thrones recently and holy shit is it amazing it really is i mean i know that we're kind of late to the party here but um we both kind of find ourselves in a position to be able to start game of thrones i think you're on episode six right now of season one i'm on episode seven i'm episode se- I'm actually on episode seven right now i finished episode six so i mean wow and i gotta tell you that i'm all in for uh jason momoa's aquaman now i, yeah. I, I was i was before <laughs> i mean i was before but now i'm like yes let's do this. Let's <laughs> yeah. take this take on Aquaman. I like this. Yes. And uh, Khaleesi. Yeah. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, my Khaleesi. 
Oh, my damn Khaleesi. And she's really coming into her own, too. The the way that they started with her and the way where she's at now in even seven episodes of the series. Well, wow. Yeah. And then people are like, where, where are you guys? Well, we're in the first season. So, like, we just started the first season. And we're going to go a little bit on the tangent of Game of Thrones for a little bit because we want to just give our reaction to it a little bit. Now, James has said is he's a little bit more ahead than I am. He's about an episode farther than I am. And here's the thing. I am I like this a lot. I think that the, the writing is great. You mentioned the, the character, you know, the character building is just phenomenal. Like it Khaleesi, really is. She goes from being this kind of scaredish kind of woman or girl. Yeah, there's no ish about it. She was scared. And she's now become this warrior-ass Khaleesi, this eating of the hearts. This Oh, that was gross, man. Oh, dude. Oh, gosh, that was gross. I mean, it's just, it's really, really great. And it, did you see that video I posted about uh, I did. Jon Snow being the worst uh, dinner guest ever? I did. Well, you know, when they call out Bastard Party of One, I mean, that's kind of, <laughs> you know, you're not really going to enjoy yourself after that. And Peter Dinklage, of course, is amazing. Oh, he just, you know, you hear people talk about it until you actually get a chance to see it. He's the only one of the Lannisters I don't want to see get ripped to shreds by a White Walker right yeah. now because he just he makes it man and especially that part where i'm sure that you've seen it by now where he's trapped in the in the dungeon he's oh, trying yeah. to barter his way out and then when he actually goes to confess his crimes yes i oh I my age gosh of 10, I, I was age of 12 i put goat shit in my father's boots oh gosh when i was, when I was 10 it was a servant girl and she was bathing in the river i took her bathrobe and ran away and her tits to this day I can still see in my mind. When he was basically doing that talk about masturbating into yeah. his sister's drink or something. Oh my god. It's for a suit. Oh, that was so funny. And then of course, <laughs> you know, are you proud of yourself? Yeah, I kind of am. Yeah. <laughs> so but, yeah, I mean, he makes it, man. It was really, really great. And like I said, I can't I'm serious, I think tomorrow, tomorrow I'm gonna hang out with uh, our buddy Drew Moss. And I'm thinking about maybe on the way home from hanging out with Drew, I'm gonna go probably pick up season two. Yeah, just no Game of Thrones and Thrones and driving people. Yeah, we we yeah. definitely don't want to do that. Even by the way, speaking driving. of games and Thrones, a quick thing: fuck you, Apple. Um, yeah, you know, let's do that. People who don't know, they had the whole game of you know HBO Now, and you can so I was like, okay, cool, I can watch Game of Thrones finally. HBO Now is out. Yeah, it's only on Apple TV and smart devices. Really? Because I have a fucking MacBook in front of me, and you're telling me that I can't watch game of thrones or download through the itunes app store fuck you and, like, and before you say well how would they know you're on a macbook they you know have to reg- you have to register yeah, they the know you know that's the thing people say well how would you know if they have a macbook whatever um if you ever bought a mac before you have to register it before you can fucking use it just like any other pc as well you have to register it and they know based on your browser and your operating system what you're running. So if you have a MacBook, see, so yeah, you have a legitimate beef there. If you have yeah. a MacBook, you should be able to get this series. I totally agree with that. Yeah, and and people are kind of like, you know, uh, or say, like, why don't you just get Apple TV? I was like, I don't want fucking cable. You I shouldn't have to it. buy anything else. I. It's like the thing. It's like I have a Hulu subscription. I have, you know, Netflix. I, I don't need anything else. You know, I don't. I don't need Apple TV. I'm not going to watch TV. I'm never home. Or even when I am home, you know. Well, clearly you got enough going on when you are home as far as stuff you need to watch that, you know, it's not like you're needing, it's not like you're wanting well, for anything is, anyway. I don't watch TV. I watch ESPN and that's it. I can wait a day to watch Arrow yeah. and Flash and yeah. stuff like that, you know. But enough about my bitch about Apple. 
Uh, fuck you, by the way. So and, that's Apple and Marvel in the same Apple show. Apple and Marvel, same show. <laughs> fuck them both. They can both eat a bag of dicks. But the thing is, like Louis C.K. said, the whole bag? Yes, the whole fucking bag. Yes, absolutely. And that's going to do it for Nerd News. Come up next is our main topic. We're discussing death of characters and why it's gotten pretty stupid. Stay tuned. More Down Nerdy. Come up next. Well, it's kind of fitting that Nick and I have been watching Game of Thrones this week and that it was the death of Deadpool because, Nick, we're talking about deaths in comics and how maybe they're not all they're cracked up to be anymore. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this topic for an episode for a long time. Like, and it's something like, you know, go back to last week when we had our random conversation episode about nerd stuff. We always say, you know, deaths aren't really all they're cracked up to be anymore. They're being overused and everything else. And what we did was we... Well, to you, the fans, we asked you, like, what are your favorite deaths? What, your th- what do you think about killing off characters? We had a couple fans write us. Uh, Alex says, my favorite death was Colossus sacrificing himself so there could be a cure for the legacy virus. And he said, in parentheses, bringing him back was terrible, weird, and wonky, though. Mm-hmm. As bringing back characters pretty much always is. And Matt said, I really enjoyed Bucky tagging, taking over as Captain America. The suit was amazing and the story was near perfect. I can't, I can't argue with that. It's hard to argue with that. I think one of the ones that I would point to that, that they did well, I mean, I guess you'd call it deaths, quote-unquote, because that's kind of what it is in comics because it seems like nobody ever really dies. I think the way they did the whole Jason Todd uh, thing in, in uh, Death in the Family yeah. where, they, where he was killed by the Joker and then eventually was you know dragged through the Lazarus Pit and resurrected as the Red Hood. I thought that that storyline and the way it impacted Batman when Jason Todd did die and then the effects of the Lazarus Pit showing that it's not just Ra's al Ghul that feels the effects of the pit and Jason Todd coming back as the Red Hood as a totally different guy and then eventually turning it around. I thought that the way they did that as a story as a whole, I thought that that was probably one of the best that they've ever done in, in any publisher and going back to my the first segment i mentioned et the game uh this is going to be the et for comics it's of course the death of superman because you didn't expect it to go out you didn't expect it you know, didn't expect him to kill people because once you saw that black bag with the red ass on it and blood mm-hmm. you're like oh this is gonna be fascinating uh i think the problem with with deaths overall in comics nowadays is that they're announced they say, we're killing off Wolverine, we're killing off Deadpool. Don't announce it! No, just just let it happen. Like, when I was reading Forever Evil with DC, and it was the battle with the crime syndicate, um, there were a couple of deaths in that arc, and it was like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. So that was one of the rare instances where people actually get killed off, and it worked out. It's kind of like, got to that point where you're the queen, and the king says, okay, I'm going to go fuck my whores, and it's like, oh, okay, you know what he's going to be doing today. Have you seen the king today? No, he's just fucking his whores, Yeah, whatever. pretty much. That's, that's exactly what it's like. It's, and- it's taking a surprise out of actually catching them in the act, you know what I'm saying? Or, right. Like, you know, or as a guy, walking, you know, leaving, and pretty much your girlfriend says, hey, have fun at work, I'm going to fuck the mailman when he gets here. Yeah, just, why would you do that? I don't why? understand. Great, you don't want to know either way, but I mean, still, of it's course, like... But it cheapens it. I mean, how much more surprised would you have been in this issue of Deadpool if he just dies at the end? You would have been like, whoa, wait a second. Now, I know yeah. that there's there's solicits now, and you can find out what you know publishers are going to be coming out with, like two, sometimes three months in advance. So if you don't see Deadpool up there, you go, hmm, I wonder what's going on. So I get that, but at the same time, there's got to be a way that you can do this without tipping people off and make it a surprise again. Well, not just that, but like the problem with the whole Deadpool thing is, as I mentioned in the in what we're reading, it was the ending. So 
it's, can you imagine not knowing? It's it's kind of a double-edged sword in a sense, uh, and, and because either you know what you're getting or you don't know what you're getting, but when you read that ending and you're left unfulfilled, you're like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, it's like, telling somebody somebody's going to die is one thing, but letting them know and then still giving them a bad ending, not letting them know and still giving them a bad ending, prefer to let them know they're going to kill them off and give them a bad ending, it, it kills either way. So, that, I mean, that begs another question, though. I mean, the deaths that we have had, announced or not, why does it seem like they're just not impactful anymore? Is it because they're announced, or is it because they're just not written in a way that makes you go, wow, you know, that that was a way to go. Instead, they're written in a way where, like, oh, he gets covered in adamantium, and that's weird. Uh, part of me thinks two things. Because everybody comes back when they're dead, and another thing is because we live in an age where comic book movies are the big thing. Because publishers are saying, okay, we're going to kill off Deadpool, but you know what? When a Deadpool movie comes out, we're going to redo number one and do it all over again, whatever. It, it, you know, same thing with other comics. And for me, it's like, again, it's going back a few shows when we said the movies are going to dictate how the comics are released and, and written and made. Part of me thinks that Honestly, if the Deadpool movie wasn't greenlit, I think Deadpool would still be alive. I agree. You know, the thing is, you stop at 45 grand, it's 250 altogether, but why not go to 50? You know, why not stop at 300 or whatever, you know, or, or, or something like that, you know? Or, I mean, well, well, where is it written that says you have to stop? Yeah. That's the other thing. Why is Why are all of a sudden these characters finite? I mean, they're not all immortal. I get that they're going to die someday, but, you know, Batman's been around for 75 years and he looks pretty good. But to take Devil's Advocate, really the business side of it, we're going to be doing a show in a couple of weeks about being a newly newly a geek and stuff like that and what you should get into and everything else. And part of it is because we have people there every day coming into geekdom and say, right. I want to read comics, and they need a jumping off point. Grand new number ones come out every week, but for certain main arcs, like a Batman or something like that, they're deep within their arcs. So it's like, okay, right. do I want to start off at... Like, honestly, with the Finch run, Wonder Woman, I locked out with that being like, okay, it starts off right here, clean cut there but again you go into something else and it's like okay it's a filler comic why did i pick this up you know it's issue number 32 why did i start here you know it's, right exactly it's, it makes and no I mean, sense i mean if you think about it you can go to bob's of fantasy escape comics and cards of virginia beach and get certain back issues for like a batman run or a wonder woman run but you know as as many back issues as bob has he probably doesn't have every back issue ever known to man so it's no. hard to go to your local shops and get these back issues. It's very difficult. Or even going to, you know, if you, hey, if you want to do the digital thing, I'm not going to judge you. You want to go to Amazon.com and pick up some trades to catch up. I'm not going to necessarily judge you for that if you're trying to get into wanting to read the current runs. You know, you do that, then you go see Bob. I understand that. But I don't I don't think that you necessarily have to continually kill off a character and i mean they're gonna do reboots anyway why does the reboot have to be the result of a death that like you mentioned many times didn't even really need to happen yeah i i know it's just like i said it's when you when you're a company like honestly you know i i watched thing about you know the history of comics and they talked about the death of superman and one of the head writers said well why you know they were asked why'd you kill off superman i said well we were sitting literally she said we were sitting around the writer's room and we're thinking, okay, what can we do? We had a married, we had we have kids, and da, 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 you know, what has been done? And somebody literally jokingly says, Why don't we just kill him? And it said, Yes, we'll kill off Superman. Mm. And that's what happened. 
Now it's like, okay, well, movie's coming out. Um, the run, you know, these writers' contracts are probably ending. You know, instead of just hiring somebody new and continuing this arc or going on a different arc, whatever, let's just kill them off and then just wait a couple months and reboot everything, make more money that way. I mean, I understand that, that you've got to make money, and, and, and that is going to drive a lot of decisions, but um, I think that, you know, you get attached to these characters. Yeah. And and in a certain respect, you, you when when they go, it's like, well, now what do I do kind of thing. Yep. It's almost like, to me, it's almost like in the interim, they want to force you to try to get into another character because the character you love is now gone. So because... Deadpool's gone. Now Marvel's hoping that you're going to get into like the Lady Thor run or the all-new Captain America. Because- well, not just that, but sorry to cut you off, but not just that, but because now they come out with a bunch of spin-off Deadpool-ish kind of stuff, like, you know, Return of the Deadpool is still going on. Then you're going to have, you know, of course, people were wondering, like, well, where's Shikla in the final issue? She's not really in the final issue other than the side story isn't connected to the main arc. Right. She's having her own Lady Deadpool and the Holly Commandos, which I pre-ordered over at Bob's. Like, I told us, I want this book. Like, you yeah, know. And that's understandable because you're going to go for that connection. You probably, but then here's the thing. You were going to buy that no matter what. Oh, Whether yeah. Deadpool was well, alive or dead, you were going to get that issue. And this is why Bob's so awesome because he says, yeah, he's like, pretty much anything that's Deadpool or has the name Deadpool in it, I just put you down for it. Right, exactly. Or he would at least recommend it to you when yeah. you go in there. So, I mean, it's, it's a one thing or the other kind of deal. But that's what I don't understand. So, basically, they know you're going to buy those books already, more than likely. So, in killing off the main character, it's not going to make you want to buy the book more. You're already buying it. So, what they're hoping is, is that you're going to try and latch on to one of these other characters, one of these other stories, and get into that as well. So, when they bring back Deadpool, you're already hooked on this character, yeah. So now you're going to double up and they're going to make even more money off you. And I'm not saying that that's what's really going on, but think about it. When you're when you're out of options, what do you do? Exactly. And it's like you can end it. And then like I said, you can take it. I know the well runs dry ideas and sometimes you don't want to be accused of rehashing all ideas oh, just course, to yeah. continue a run. But you know, sometimes ending a run is perfect. You know, but like I said, you don't need to kill people off just to end a run. You can just say, "And they lived. What's wrong with and they lived happily ever after?" The right, end. exactly. I mean, look at what the what Scott Snyder and the gang has done with Batman. You had yeah. Zero Year, which flawlessly made its way into kind of ish Batman Eternal, yep. and then after that, the Endgame arc. Now they were all nice and free flowing together, and it never felt forced. It never felt stale. I mean, you know, Batman Eternal dragged a little bit sometimes, but it's a it's a weekly, and it was running for a year. That kind of stuff's going to happen. You're going to have, like you said, little side arcs and stuff. But you can flawlessly, you can flowingly transition into another arc without having to kill off Bruce Wayne. Exactly. You know what I mean? And if you wanted to kill off Bruce Wayne, at least with Batman, there's somebody else who will take up that mantle. Or you can say, okay, Batman's dead, Bruce Wayne's dead. Here's Batwing. Let's focus on Batwing. Right, Let's- Batwing's there, Grayson's there, yeah. Damien's there. I mean, there's options. So, And that w- that might actually be interesting, something to do at some point. I mean, I know that they did the Damien Son of Batman uh, limited series, but that was kind of like a story within itself kind of deal. I, I would be very interested to see if they ever did kill off Batman at some point. First of all, please, DC, don't do that. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're going to do it, the aftermath of, okay, who gets the cowl and how do we decide, I think would be a very interesting story. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. 
you know, it's like, you know, you have a lot of villains. Of course, a lot of the villains, they don't really kill off because they bring them back in one way or another or whatever. Right. But, you know, can you imagine what it would have been like if they did kill off something like the Penguin or, I'm not going to say Joker's Joker's too easy, but if they kill off something like the Penguin, uh, you know, something of influence. They kill off Falcone. Yeah, see, you know? yeah, that would be very interesting. What would it be like? That. You know, I mean, they do that. They do that Catwoman run where she's the head of the crime syndicate, like in Batman Eternal. It was, you know, she takes over for her dad's crime syndicate, and you know, what would it be like if uh, he died or Penguin died or something like that? You know, or whatever. Right. And I mean, deaths happen. Like the Clue Master, spoiler: it's Clue Master dies in Batman Eternal. But it, it, stuff like that, you're kind of like, meh. I yeah. mean, you don't want to necessarily brush off a death. Ever, but when it's some when it's a character like that, even though I mean it turned out it was a, it was really important in the whole story, which was something that I don't think anybody really saw coming. Yeah, but at the same time, it was still like, yeah, all right, so he's so he did that, and now he's dead. Big deal. Let's move on with our lives. It's it's not one of those things that's going to be impactful, like you said, when Superman dies, or when a character like Deadpool dies, or what they did with uh, Peter Parker and Spider Man and the whole Superior run. Yeah, maybe twelve. You know, you go back to Clue Master. Well, it did turn out that his whole thing was, you know, he was running a meth lab, and the reason why Mister Freeze had those red eyes, well, because he's high all the time. <laughs> it wasn't that he was trying to find a cure. How for great his would life. that be if you found out, like the reason why he wears those like red goggles or whatever that, so so people don't think that he's high if they see his face. Mister Freeze and Towelie teaming up, uh, and an and an epic plot to destroy dude, the world he would be and get taking, high. He would be taking hot boxing, what we call cold boxing, to a whole new level. Oh gosh. Can I have one of your lollipops, Dr. Freeze? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or will be popsicles, really. Yeah, freeze pops. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Weed popsicles. But, I mean, you know, so we're talking about deaths overall, James. Now, here's a question I just thought of. It'd be kind of interesting. Now, of course, death, you kind of don't like talking about it, but just as a formality, if we were comic book characters, how would you like to see yourself die? Oh, gosh. That's almost like a door you never want to open. No, but, um, I said, but I said we're real life. We're comic book characters. If it was in the, the comic book realm, I think I'd want to go similar to the way that, that Barry Allen went right. in Crisis, where where it was like, okay, I need to sacrifice myself to save the world or to save my family kind of thing. I think that that would be the way that I would want to go. If it was for, you know, the greater good, and if it was like, if my, if my family can survive, if I do this, then I think that would be the way I would want to go out. I go Gwen Stacy just because you'll know, hang out with my girlfriend, and then all of a sudden, whoops, I fall, and boom, dead. Just, and you and you kind of barely hit your head, but in just the right way. That just, you actually, just the right way. And just, just enough right to moment. kill you. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, no. In seriousness, I would. I would have to go. I mean, you want to go like the whole. Everyone's going. You know, guns blazing. He went yeah. down, or she went down fighting. You know, and everything else. Uh, I, I, would, I would honestly say, and this may be a sense of not really death, but infected with some sort of virus where you you kind of, you kind of lose yourself. I, I, I would lose myself, like to me some sort of beast form or something like that, and they had right. put me down, kind of like the fly in a sense. So you'd I'm, be like you'd be like old Yeller, only mutated. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, as long as it's not you losing your grip and falling through the cloud city. I, I think we're die, fine. Like, like if I was a, if I was a comic character, I want to die like. Oh, he just died. No, for that's just a noble cause. That's just, I think, the easy way out. I'm not saying the way you want to do it's the easy way out, but it's it's done a lot. What about like, you know, the hard thing of if I had a girlfriend, uh, she would have to put me down. You know what I'm saying? Like this that that conflict of, you know, hey, he's kind of that Hulk Bruce Banner thing where he can you know go in and out of it, but it's getting to that point where he's gonna be overcome by the monster. 
do I do this? Do I do it? And they do, you know? Kind of like the whole, the whole, you know, tug of war with the Hulk, you know, is he yeah. going to be too dangerous? Do we need to put him down or can we pacify him and everything's going to be okay? But then it gets beyond the point of pacification and it's like, all right, he needs to go kind of thing. Exactly. And that's going to do it for this week's show, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. Of course, we have a guest coming on next week's show. We're not going to say who it is just yet, but it's a, it's a pretty nice guest. The person who's going to be winning some awards or is up for some awards next week, as uh, we should know. That's all you're going to get for clues. But as always, you can hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash downnerdy. Also, Twitter at downnerdy757. I'm on Twitter at Merc with one arm, James. I'm at James Ace with him. And always... Email us your fan questions, or if you've got guest ideas for us, let us know, downandnerdypodcast at gmail.com. And make sure you're checking out our links that we're posting on Amazon for stuff, you know, nerd stuff that you're going to be able to get, stuff you're probably going to want to get anyway. So you might as well use the safety and security of Amazon and get it through uh, stuff like Dark Souls that just came out this week and other stuff that you're going to want. Any shirts on Show Us Your Shirt Saturday, just keep your eyes peeled for that because we're going to have plenty of them as the weeks and days are coming. Exactly. And hey, if you're a Star Wars fan, you say, I want to see what it's like when Greedo doesn't shoot first. Uh, here's what you can do. Go to Amazon. We have a link up there. Buy through us. Help us out here, you know, and get all the, you know, digital copies of the Star Wars franchise and watch, you know, in their unadulterated, unfucked up versions. Yeah, the one where Jabba the Hutt doesn't invade your screen space in, in A New Hope. You won't get that. You're going to get the original <laughs> unaltered versions without the weird, creepy, not quite done upright Jabba. Exactly. But as always, I leave you with this. Pretty safe comic book reading. Always bag and board your comics.